Business 21 podcast, your digital download of the brightest and best in the trade union movement with me, Simon Sapper. And me, Becky Wright. So we were delighted when Jess Phillips MP accepted our invitation to come onto the podcast in her capacity, as I need to get this right, chair of the all-party parliamentary committee on women and And work. work. That was the important thing. Because I think one of the things that we had identified that was a uh, failing flaw of the industrial strategy paper when it came out was not just it was about collective voice, but... It wasn't about collective voice. Well, there was nothing on collective voice, yeah. But also, it it seemed to only focus on certain industries. Those industries tend to be the ones where they are heavily male-dominated, so there wasn't any kind of discussion on on any of those uh, aspects and you can also start on kind of racial disparities as well and so it was really interesting to hear Jess's view and take on that we started off, we started off talking about about entrenched institutionalized sexism yeah you know and, and and that was a kind of running theme in terms of that's the challenge we have to meet and that's what institutional sexism essentially looks like where you have a document which is fairly kind of bland yeah but doesn't take into consideration... I mean, basically, when institutions aren't intersectional and when they don't... Yes. They don't take a holistic view. They don't take a holistic view of people and they are essentially still created by the dominant group in society. Anyway, here she is. See what you think. That is a parameter that exists in a, in, in essentially in a male brain and we're expecting women to play with the same parameters and the, and the union movement it is very structured mm. the, or the you know the organized union movement as we know it today it is based on language that doesn't exist in lots of the workplaces where women might be the majority yeah. uh, in the workforce um, and the idea of reps and different people going off and doing different things and political officers and the parameters are designed for specific industrialised workforces of uh, of a bygone era. Yeah. And I think that one of the problems that the union movement faces is the idea of, of collectivism is lost from lots of our workspaces with flexible yeah. space, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, because you, you don't have a canteen, you know. I've never no. worked anywhere that had a canteen, <laughs> do you know. I, I mean, I, I love, I mean, actually the only place I've ever worked in the canteen is Westminster. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I'm that we think. need that bigger unionisation here. Our staff certainly need some help, that's for sure. But, it and the idea of the rep, and the idea that mm. you, there is somebody who you empower to be your representative, I think, is an is quite a hierarchical model. Mm. Um, that I, 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 it's not to say that women can't exist within it. Of course, they can and they do, do. Yes, yeah. and yeah. do very yeah. regularly. But I, I do think that some of the way that we've modelled out the way we take collective action, even the idea of a negotiation is all couched in sort of brinkmanship terms well, so of male psyche. It's really interesting. We've, we're going to publish a blog on our, on our website in a couple of weeks' time by a guy called Richard Saundry. He's a pro- professor over at Portsmouth, I think, or Plymouth. Sorry, Richard, for getting where you work wrong. But he's done this thing about like you know what comes after brexit so sorry to mention the b word everyone but he said like part of the problem is we just have lost the art of social dialogue yeah so because we've lost the art of social dialogue and everything's about brinksmanship Mm. then combat combat, then there isn't the ability to kind of negotiate 
uh, because we just don't we just don't have it. Whereas in Europe, because they're so used to a kind of what's the problem? Okay, let's how we can we solve that together? It's even that kind of lack of social dialogue, that lack of collective voice has impacted in the way in which we as a country have then gone to negotiate because we've been, it's like literally speaking different languages when it comes to social dialogue. And I think when you go into unions then and you say, look, I'll I'll take strike action, that's fine, but I want to see what we can do before we get to that point. And it's often seen as kind of like... I think actually, and I I speak entirely from (laughs) a a sort of male perspective and a very uh, male workforce, My, my husband was a lift engineer for many, many years. 20 years and had a, a and again they were out working in vans they didn't have a canteen yeah. Yeah. but they yeah. had a rep and and actually I think that part of the problem that you're describing mm. there is actually a change in all people in the workforce is that they they he often felt that if you know to go to the rep and that the rep was there to represent sometimes not necessarily what had come from conversations on the ground with the yeah. people yeah. and when there had to be cutbacks or whatever he, my husband was always brimming with ideas about oh how about if we all do like a three days on four days mm. off sort of thing and then yeah. you, could, yeah. you could employ more people there was really brilliant ideas actually of the workforce on the ground unsurprisingly being as they're the ones the doing the work, work. Yeah, 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 yeah. but it always he, he often felt that sometimes the, the, the union became like the boss Right. Uh, the mm. the union's version of the boss and he's just a bit sort of like oh they don't, nobody listens to us anyway it doesn't it doesn't matter and that 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 element of dialogue had broken down as well yeah, yeah. and actually when you are also socially conditioned to do that dialogue and then you are in an environment where the dialogue doesn't take mm. place it can be kind of quite unnerving I think to be in those kind of roles and so I think we're seeing all of these sort of things we're seeing. I think we see more women in work in terms of across the piece, aren't mm-hmm. we? Not just in lower. I, I also want us to stop saying low skilled jobs because yeah. low who did that? Low, <laughs> low, yeah, low income. It's not low skill. Because who mm. determines what is? Don't even get me started on that with childcare. <laughs> like who determines <laughs> that that is a low skilled well, job? Well, I don't have the skills to do childcare. I found that out very, very quickly no, when I had to look after my own children, and yeah. I was like, "Bloody hell, work is like a holiday." <laughs> yeah, yeah, people kept saying that. Oh God, you must be been gutted to be back. And I was <laughs> like, "No." Uh, <laughs> I haven't. I've been able to drink three cups of tea this morning. I am good to go. And again, I mean, it's, sorry, it's, sorry. No, 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 no. Don't apologise by all means. No, but it's like it's like people say. People people say. Well, you've uh, you've you've been at home looking after after your kids. You haven't got any transferable skills. Looking after kids, childcare gives you so many transferable skills. Organisation. I had two yeah, kids absolutely. in childcare. Different childcarers on different rotors, fitting in with my husband who worked a four on, a four off shift half nights, half days. Yeah. That is literally like the logistics that I could get the whole of Eddie Stobart's thing <laughs> delivered. If you can do the logistics yeah, yeah. on on a yeah. shift on that. that changes every week and yeah. trying to provide the childcare in two different childcare for two people. I mean, it makes my head hurt even describing it. <laughs> I used to be driving home from work sometimes and think... I've no idea where they are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm driving to to get them. This you just is... turn up at a place and go, out. I have no idea. Where are the children? I've got lists. And yet, and yet, people people ascribe that as a low skill. I know. Yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah. which is crazy. So look, if we... How how can we organise? How can society mm. be, be, be tra- transformed? Is it a case of incrementally 
people adding to the weight of opinion that says there needs to be a fundamental change until it eventually gets to a tipping point? Or is there the possibility in this new, you know, this new fourth industrial revolution mm -hmm. in age to use platforms or to use AI or to use some of these things in a way that accelerates the process or, or, make, or makes a step change? I do feel more hopeful, uh, having said all of that, I feel more hopeful about the concept and the possibilities of collective voice at this stage in my life than I've ever felt before, actually. Mm. I feel like people, about issues usually, rather yeah, yeah. than necessarily mm. what could be termed as self-interest, they are willing to join together in a collective. There is quite a lot of putting your hands around the world that goes on at the moment, and certainly as a member of parliament, I feel the weight of people coalescing around issues in my constituency and that's it and I wouldn't ignore it yeah. and the power yeah. of the number of people that certainly it makes me sit up it's I think that we're not yet at the stage where we've learned how to properly mm. harness it mm. now there, there's lots of good examples of where uh, it has made small but significant changes so the, there's actions around specific laws that have been changed if I mm. you know look over the corridor from my office to Stella Creasy I see how she very much uses mm. the idea of getting a crowd to demand change and change the law on uh, payday loans yeah. almost certainly is changing the law through the collective voice of women in Northern Ireland yeah and that so I but again, if we're if we're talking about bigger, more fundamental, it's still we're still only harnessing it for the piecemeal at this stage. And the idea of harnessing it to change the world of work for the benefit of the worker, yeah, I think still has been was so hollowed out so badly mm. that it still has a slightly bad taste in in, in ordinary people's mouths yeah. mm. that we've yeah. got to get over but i think that there are the tools i mean the tools the tools we have today you imagine if the dagenham women had yes. had, uh, oh. that you you just god they would have completely turned well, it out I mean, I, I mean i like to think that if the dagenham women had the tools that we have today that they wouldn't just have changed the law but the rapid change that we should have achieved since they ch managed yes. to change the law would have been accelerated. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I can only hope that that's the case because still we drag terribly, even on equal pay. But I'm, I'm just not. I, I think you need both. I think you need the both the local, regional, collective organisation at the same time as this massive global expansion in citizens and yeah. citizens' yeah. voice. Then there needs to be some ladder between the two yeah. to make it feel anything more than collectivism or stuff that can just be dismissed as oh as just like a load of people posh people coming out to protest yeah. in Westminster. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, very yeah. it's very easy to send up quickly. Yeah. But if there was an actual feeling on the ground that was organised and this bigger global thing, I think it could be could be really empowering because I thought this was the thing that really struck me when I read the industrial strategy report about just how it didn't feel inclusive in its discussion and it's how... absolutely it's an abomination in my opinion I mean I feel like when I came here to be a member of parliament I was like I've got these big plans I'm gonna be <laughs> I'll, I'll be fighting the power I'll be sticking I'll be 
sticking up for these people, doing this, doing that. And actually my job became just putting my hand up and reminding people that people like me exist. Mm. Yeah. Just my mere existence yeah. as a, a woman with certain, yeah. you know, a person with chromosomes that are <laughs> one way or, you know, the propensity to have children. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, can you remember we exist? And the industrial strategy, the day I read that, I was just like, are you joking me? You have literally forgotten. Yeah. That half the people in our country exist, and you wonder why productivity is so. Well, that, that's yeah. it. That's the crazy thing, isn't it? There are all these things, and you don't you don't need to be a champion for gender equality or for greater inclusivity. I'd quite you, like it if you, you were. Though, <laughs> well, I'm just going to say that. Well, it's a good add-on. They're good characteristics to have. It is honest, but just from the straight economic yeah. argument, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we we are, we moan and we hold our heads in our hands about about low productivity and the. The solution is kind of like there right in front of us, yeah. Yeah. absolutely, and that that so the industrial strategy is wafer it's woefully in, in, in um, inclusive of almost everybody who like lives in my constituency. I mean, it yeah. doesn't man woman um, otherwise. Yeah. It's it's the whole. I, I don't feel that it it touches anything to do with their lives. I I come from Clacton. So that's a nice. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Nigel Farage loves it there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My whole family are like, shall we mm. just move slightly? And I was like, no, because your choice is Colchester or Harwich. <laughs> like we're not like. But but you know, I read that and I just thought, you know, that town had its heyday and is in deep decline. Mm-hmm. When people talk about like north south differences, it's like, oh well, even with. I remember when I went up to York mm. and I thought, oh, this is a bit posh. Yeah. Like, York is more, a bit posh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but like, I kind of like everybody's like, all the north is a bit like York is an island of the south. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, really although, although, I mean, fair, fair, fair play. You know, I mean, their their manufacturing employment has collapsed entirely. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, over the last thirty years. But yeah. like, there was nothing in that uh, that document that spoke to the decline that that, that my hometown has no. suffered, or any kind of Absolutely. idea of like what that was going to look like. It's like. So it's mainly tour- tourism. There's a lot of old people's homes. Yeah. What does that kind of mean? And I, I'll never forget this one line of sort of saying, oh, basically, you know, you get a high skill job and that's how you'll get high income. And it's like, yeah, well, let's go back to the idea of who's deciding what is yeah. a high... It's like when people say, when you say, I want to lose weight, and they say, just eat less. And you think, I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> like, I, am, I have been eating less, and that yeah. is why and I... It's like, yeah, it's just like, oh, what a revolutionary idea. It's like when you smoke and people tell you it's bad for you. I know it's bad for me. Just just get a better job. Get a better job, and it'll probably yeah. be all right yeah, for you. Oh, people, cheers. Yeah, like, go tell that to the people of Jaywick, because there's tons of really good jobs there. And a shout-out to my my auntie for saying it's on the up auntie when it's the poorest place in britain there's literally nowhere else he can go <laughs> you know and it but so it's really interesting to hear like you know you've got the appg yeah. and the role of of that appg is, is it to kind of basically say in all those things hang on a minute industrial it strategy it <laughs> is it is so the women and work all party parliamentary group the whole point of it really is to basically remind people that we <laughs> exist and to try and make in industrial policy that reflects the lives of half of the population but but within that half I suppose what we are very focused on especially at the moment we're doing a big uh, inquiry into um, industry and intersectionality is Mm -hmm. that that women obviously are not one homogenous group but the whole point of that really is to try and make every 
I basically never want to have the day of the industrial strategy ever again. Yeah, mm. yeah. And mm. it was it is that really that crystallised the the idea of the all party parliamentary brief on women and work was that exact moment. And at first, because it, it's co-chaired by a conservative, although she is a conservative from she's like she's from Knowsley in Liverpool. Uh, she she started out as an apprentice in a factory. But she went on to be an amazing uh, like sort of businesswoman and exec and have a very, very successful career in business. But it started out very much as is the government's rhetoric and you have to play with the government that you have. Very much women in boardroomy sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. very, very quickly the work of the all-party parliamentary group became very much about just everyday women at every not not I'm not even talking about the lowest paid yeah. we do talk about them yeah. but at every level what mm. are the barriers mm. for industrial prosperity mm. for women in the workforce mm. and actually what you'll find is that while we're not a homogenous group there's a certain universality yeah. in the things that get in the way yeah of us being able to properly work not notwithstanding just discrimination but quite a lot of the regulation that has been stripped away so quite a mm. woman from unison in fact yesterday in the meeting we were talking about disability access and she was just saying there is no longer any teeth to try and get reasonable adjustments yeah. so mm. everybody knows they have to do them Mm-mm. but actually ticking the box and then actually adjusting the Doing workforce it the workforce environment never happens because there is no teeth yeah and what we're finding again and again is that the regulation without proper enforcement of collective either collective bargaining collective action or just hard we're going to take you to court which your average worker is never Never going to do Uh, certainly not without the help of a union without those it's just window dressing yeah and it's unfortunately some of that window dressing I think comes from this idea that lots and lots of people will campaign on something and they have to be given something and that's why when I talk about this ladder needing to be built between what's actually happening on the ground Mm. what gets given because of the clicktivism Mm. and trying to make sure it actually has an outcome I often say this it's one thing to campaign it's a whole other thing to organise totally and and like you're great you've got a win now what how do we do that and kind of there's also you have to make a win a win for a long time (laughs) a win takes some sustainable development yeah 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 it doesn't just I mean but the unfortunately I do worry that there is quite a lot of oh brilliant we've won this one and certainly in politics everybody likes a photo in front of the building they got built (laughs) and you know then that building can go to complete rack and ruin because the council have not put revenue funding into it's got no staff and it's just a cracking building but it's got Uh, (laughs) you've got a plaque with your name on it exactly you've got a plaque with your name on it and that that is why you need grassroots organisations grassroots workers constantly maintaining and seeing where new problems arise but Mm. I I do worry that quite a lot of the employment regulation that people like me fight for and that group Mm. certainly fight for so we 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 had a win on the idea of making a government policy around returnships for people returning to work after Mm. years off and the government gave us a couple of million quid and we all got like really chuffed (laughs) I mean this is one thing I, I any activist I would or anyone campaigning for anything don't be grateful when you're yeah. given the yeah. thing that you should have had all along. Yeah, that was taken away from you to start with. Yeah. Oh, we, but it's a trap of noblesse oblige that we all fall into. Yeah, 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 that yeah. when the man says, 
go on then, Flower, you can have it back, or you can have... The, oh, that's a lovely idea. You act grateful. I think that the, the suffragettes grateful. I'm bloody grateful that I'm allowed to vote, you know what I mean? That's a basic human right. So the, the, there is, we, we can very easily, with the sort of glamour of big campaigning mm. that comes these of these uh, fractious days, we can fall very quickly into the grateful and and sort of doffing our cap a little bit. It mm. needs sustainable push. You need somebody to organise for the future. Mm. Yeah. The other thing that's, I think is quite interesting to me is the idea of women absenting themselves from spaces at work. Yeah. Because, and I think about this as people will know like my partner works in a very male dominated industry and there is actually i think there was one woman on their team yeah and um my husband's builder so (laughs) i think one woman although the designers are all women and you know some of the stories you know it's for someone who's kind of quite like oh i'm actually you know i'm the he's like oh i like giving everybody hugs and he's like it's always oh, i feel kind of quite challenged in that one i said yeah so imagine how you would feel if you weren't you and you were a woman mm, and you, knew yeah. you were being judged on your looks and you were being judged yeah. on what you wore and like how all those sort of things play in and there is quite a lot of evidence to suggest that women aren't stupid they absent themselves oh, from yeah. workplaces because it's just uncomfortable yeah. to, to kind of be there so when employers turn around and say oh it's not our fault we haven't got any like female engineers yeah. or whatever it's like well maybe it is yeah absolutely. because people kind of understand that and yeah. it's a little bit like how do things like the industrial strategy actually help us to get to an inclusive all right you know whichever way you look at it but ultimately an inclusive labor force an inclusive economy where everybody feels like their talents and their yeah i think it's really included. interesting the idea that women's self edit uh, yeah. they edit themselves out in lots of cases and it will be the same for other groups that are not the dominant group in any way yeah exactly I imagine that the there is similarities in uh, very very heavily female environments where mm. there, there might be only a couple of men although I think it's probably less likely but the, that sort of e- where we self-edit and we self-edit in the choices we make. Mm. Again, it goes back to this idea of the parameters. Mm. We self-edit within the parameters we are given. We have to smash those parameters yeah. and try and make it so that workforces, especially places where you work, that even this isn't the nanny state and me saying no one can ever make a joke about anything because I really love a joke (laughs) it's like my favourite thing I quite like some jokes that are a little bit you know close to the bone you know I quite like to shock people sometimes you know so that it's it's not saying that no one can have a laugh at work and that we've got to make like safe spaces in every working environment and that that blokes on a building site can no longer have a laugh with each other. It is about just trying to be mindful of the, the people who are there and making sure that they are included. Yeah, and those jokes don't have to be at the expense of the people who are with no. them. Also, my, the my husband works on a building site and uh, re- recently went back to sort of like being on the tools. And he, I mean, obviously he's married to me and it's, you know, like I'm the queen of woke town. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah woke town here we come but he he said that you know immediately when he went back and people were you know people say mildly racist things and they say sexist things yeah. quite a lot yeah. of the time and he just said just 
don't say it because mainly it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I like I like a gag. It should usually be funny. Yeah. And if you have to look around, is what my mum always used to mm. say to me when I was gossiping with her. If you have to look around and see who's listening, don't say <laughs> don't what say you're it. about to say. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you've just ruined literally everything I was going to say to you. But that is that is not a difficult standard to live by at yeah. work, and it is not lacking freedom of speech it is not saying that people can't think whatever they want it is just trying to just the same way you wouldn't swing around a knife in your workplace yes you wouldn't don't do that with the things that you say yeah yeah i mean maybe a chef or those people who do the flaring with the cocktails they throw stuff around and uh, i mean i think actually that's a really important thing that one of the things that we found in the many inquiries mm. that i've done about women in the workplace is getting uh, the bodies who regulate the safety in mm. our workplaces to remember that women's safety is a thing and it is yeah. a different thing yep. to necessarily like classic industrial accident safety. Mm. And it, that led me once to have a conversation with the health and safety executive who quite clearly said that sexual harassment at work is not a part of the health and safety remit of a place of work, even though it is the single biggest reason why women claim that they leave their jobs yeah. and that it has a terrible effect on their health, was that I had to say to him, so you're telling me that if um, I was at work and I was hit by a van, that would be your responsibility, but if I was at work and I was hit by a man, that wouldn't be your responsibility. And he said, yes. <gasps> So, I, I mean, I just, yeah, <laughs> that's just the, like... yeah that, that is, that's the problem, isn't it? There's this fundamental problem there that the parameter that we've been given about health and safety is about how we store liquids, not yeah, yeah. how mm. we keep young women, older women, women at work safe and yeah. healthy yes. in mm. their workplaces. Mm. So we, we've thought about, you know, where there's more regulation for me as a employer about how I keep the bleach yeah. I use in my office than there is about how I should my staff should have a reporting line if something's going yeah. wrong and somebody's mm. assaulted them. There is genuinely more yeah, yeah. regulation about the bleach and how I'm meant to carry cups of tea around the office. You're not, are you? <laughs> yeah, like on a tray, like you're meant to carry them on a tray. No one in the whole world has ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you've got you're doing a report at the moment on on, uh, on intersectionality and specifically accessibility to work. Right. So uh, initially it was about about actually gaining employment. So yeah. uh, gaining employment through all the dis different discriminations that you can face to gain employment and stuff around blank profiling and stuff about ex-offenders yeah. and yeah, all yeah, that yeah, sort of yeah. thing about actually getting a job. And now it's sort of working in how to make our workplaces more accessible for all. And are you taking submissions for yes. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so where can, can people submit? Um, so, oh God, I, so sorry, but all of the unions 21 people If you people look up for the all-party parliamentary group on women and work on the internet, the organisation who are the secretariat can take any evidence that will be part of a proposal that will be put to government. And so far, we have pretty good records of the government listening to that particular group, so that's good. And what are the timescales involved? Oh, well, I mean, we're always running one inquiry right. or another, but this one will run for at least a good few months yet. Excellent. Perfect. Well, Wonderful. Jess, thank you very much yeah. for thank your Thank you very time. much indeed. No worries, my pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Grand. Well, I thought that was a roller coaster ride. 
I thought that was it. I mean, I, what a for, force of nature. Force of nature. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it really felt like, were we on the right track when we were talking to her during it? But it was such a nice conversation. It was so good to kind of hear her thoughts and all of those things. I felt very enthused well, I think you, you were talking about radiators and drains. I was, bef- as we came out. In our family, we talk about people being either a radiator or a drain. Uh, and it definitely felt like Jess Phillips was a radiator. But, I mean, there's a real challenge there, isn't there, in the sense that, you know, it's when, when we were talking about the fact that women self-exclude, yeah. uh, for, for example, that's the yeah. scale and of who's the having that? And who's having that conversation? And who's listening to that conversation? And then who's saying, okay, I hear you, what you're saying, let's do something about it. And, and, and that's the challenge of, an, uh, of making an industrial strategy document work for, for everyone. Yeah. So very interesting, uh, in, very interesting in terms of comparing that perspective with the perspective of some of the others who we've had on this series and and we'll do so in the future in the future yeah indeed well listeners one thing we must absolutely say in in this podcast is well done to napa the national association of probation officers they have they that's me clapping they have secured a changing government policy so that so that the bits that were uh, the probation service that were outsourced will come back under government control who'd have thank it the workers themselves were t- saying this isn't necessarily the best way of doing that particular job Bloody and work. The, their clients were saying that. It's yeah, yeah. Like, oh, and that just, as well. It's just, it's just crazy, but well done for persistence and getting a getting a, a reasonable result, I would say. Yeah, and if you're interested to hear a bit more about that and what NAPO do, then their AGS, Dean Rogers, will be at conference on the 21st of May. Well, listeners, that's it for this edition of the podcast. It's been our pleasure to have you with us for the last half hour or so. We hope you've enjoyed what you hear. If you have and you've got suggestions about what you'd like to hear in the future... Please tell us. Tell us info at unions21.org.uk. We'd love you to join the discussion. You can tweet us at unions21. And if you are listening to this, that means you're listening to it on a podcast platform. Oh, yes. Well, we hope you are. And if you are, please rate us and help us to beat the algorithms. And share widely. But anyway... Until the next podcast. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. The Unions 21 podcast was presented by Becky Wright and Simon Sapper. It was a Makes You Think production.